Welcome back to all of our followers, and if you're new to this podcast, welcome to this week's episode of the Periodical Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, joined as always by my good friend, Tavis. What is going on? And we're excited to bring you another episode. It's going to cover the content of this week's periodical on the intrinsic value of crude and why it's so undervalued. I released this periodical on our website this past Wednesday, October the 7th. So make sure you head over there to give it a view. Uh, Similar to last week's, there's a lot of charts and graphs on there that are really going to help you understand what we're talking about here better. Uh, Maybe even pull it up now if, you know, you're sitting at home in front of a computer, but um, let's jump into it. All right. Now to kick things off, I want you guys to close your eyes and imagine it is 1980. Since I wasn't around then, and I guess at the time my dad was about four, it's a bit difficult for me, so let me help you out. Individuals were rocking big hair and jamming out to punk rock. Pac-Man had just been released, Mount St. Helens erupts in Washington, and Ronald Reagan is elected as the President of the United States. And, during this time, one could hop into a brand new car costing about $7,200, fill up gas for $1.19 a gallon, and run down to the grocery store to purchase a 50-cent loaf of bread with the leftover change. So fast forward about 40 years to 2020. You're going to need a bit more cash to hop into that $37,000 car, spend about $2.38 a gallon at the gas pump, and then you're probably going to have to whip out your visa to spend $2.19 on a loaf of bread. It's because, well, since 1950, prices in the United States have risen nearly tenfold. Why? The rise in prices is partly a reflection of general positive economic growth, and as demand expands, it also creates a moderate amount of inflation. Therefore, as prices rise, the average consumer dollar buys fewer goods as seen in the above example. Now, if this is the case, then why hasn't the same phenomenon been experienced by crude oil? In 1980, the average spot price for a barrel of WTI crude oil was $37.36 a barrel, and for the first two-thirds of 2020, the average price for WTI was about the same at $37.97 a barrel. So even though the price of nearly every good or commodity has dramatically increased in the past 40 years, The price of oil has really fallen relative to the value of these other indices, and it remains in a price regime really only experienced by the oldest members of the current oil industry. Long story short, crude oil prices are ridiculously cheap compared to the cost of other commodities and, well, equities. Now, unless the overall market falters, the downward pressure on oil prices created by COVID and the black swan events of the Saudi-Russia price war, they're creating a scenario where prices in 2021 must correct upward due to the growing price spreads that have become disproportionate over the last 40 years. So let's give this some context, right? In order to understand how cheap crude oil truly is, let's look into the price spreads between the cost of a barrel of oil and everyday goods. The two candidates chosen for comparison will be median home price in the United States and the price of a loaf of bread since two of the three basic needs of life are food and shelter and hopefully you're a bit familiar with those. As stated before, The cost of a loaf of bread in 1980 was 50 cents, and after 40 years of inflation, that price rose to $2.19 in January of 2020. Therefore, in 1980, one could buy nearly 75 loaves of bread for the cost of one barrel of WTI crude oil, but in 2020, that number has shrunk to a mere 17 loaves of bread. That's 75 to 17. In more conventional terms, the price of crude oil increased about 1.61% from 1980 to 2020, while the price of a loaf of bread increased 77.17%. That's pretty, 
pretty dramatic of a spread there, Tavis. What do you say? Oh, it totally is. I mean, granted, there's been a ton of fluctuation between those two years, but 1.6% is pretty insignificant compared to the 77 of a different commodity. Yeah, and, and, and things look worse. So similar to that dramatic increase in food prices since 1980, the median home price has also dramatically increased since Ronald Reagan was in office. Back in 1980, the median sales price for houses sold in the United States averaged about $64,750. So that's brand new price. That's what it averaged out in 1980 in the United States. By 2020, that number had increased fivefold to 321100 I mean, that 80% increase in median sales price for houses in the United States, it just absolutely dwarfs that 1.61% rise. I mean, that it's basically going to form our backbone for the argument that the price of crude oil is, is really far too low. So let's think of it this way. Individuals have continued to need food and shelter over the years. As the population grows, it ensures demand for these basic necessities, and that's constantly being driven up. The same remains true for energy consumption, and yet crude oil prices have not shown that equivalent trend. So before we move on, let's look at how crude is valued by considering oil barrels as a currency instead of dollars. This is a section where viewing the periodical would probably be very helpful, and you can find that on rarepetro.com under the respective periodical section. Anyway, even though oil is now hovering around $40 per barrel, the graph online shows that oil is once again nearing an equivalent low value compared to other necessities seen in 1999 when oil was around $13 a barrel. So basically, Tavis, what we're seeing in, in this chart, and if you guys are looking online, we'll, we'll do our best to describe this for you. Basically, you could buy the same number of houses slash loaves of bread with the equivalent number of barrels of oils as you could back in 1999. The problem is oil has the same purchasing power now as it did back in 1999 when oil was a mere $13 a barrel. And I imagine those other commodities don't have the same purchasing power if you were also going to use those as a currency. No, exactly. We're just, what we're seeing right now is oil is so incredibly undervalued that the last time we saw oil power with such a low purchasing power was back in 1999 at $13 a barrel. So kind of one way to look at it as as these, you know, trends move, you know, median house prices, a loaf of bread, oil has been ignoring that trend. All right, now that it has become clear that there is a large disconnect with the growing prices of everyday goods and services really necessary for survival, how does the price of crude oil compare to the level and health of the economy? Well, since in many ways the stock market is a leading indicator of the economy and, well, a predictor of where the economy may go, comparing the performance of the stock market to the performance of crude oil, it should be an excellent barometer for whether or not a disconnect exists. To compare the two, WTI spot prices are going to be compared to the Wilshire 5000 total market index and the S&P 500. So I'm sure most of you are familiar with the latter, but as for the former, the Wilshire 5000 is meant to track the progress of the overall stock market, while the S&P 500 indicates the performance of the largest and typically top performing market participants. Back in 1980, the value of the S&P 500 index averaged 119.57 over the course of the year, while the Wilshire 5000 averaged 2.16. Fast forward 40 years, and the index value for the S&P 500 rose to an average of 27,955.79 so far in 2020, and the Wilshire index has averaged 147.67. That is a 98.54% increase for the largest and highest performers in the stock market and a 99.57% increase for all of the market participants. 
But if the economy grew by close to 100% during this time for both of those benchmarks, why would crude oil prices rise less than 2%? Well, and that's really what we're trying to investigate here, Tavis. There's clearly a disconnect between the upward trajectory and the upward momentum of these commodities of the stock market. And yet crude oil, it's just, it's being held down. It's being repressed. And that's what we're seeing here with the S&P 500 and the Wilshire 5000. Both market indexes are showing nearly a 100% increase over the last 40 years. That's awesome. And crude oil, it's still at the same place it was back in the 1980s. It's just, there's something here that we need to really uncover. Right. Why is it the outlier? Exactly. So, like I said, there's clearly a disconnect between the price of crude oil, essential goods for survival, and the performance of equities in the stock market. But what about other commodities? Well, economic principles state that as demand for goods and services increase, the price of goods and services should rise. And since commodities are used in the production of goods, the price of commodities is expected to change over time in relation to these goods. Shocker. But that doesn't appear to be the case for crude oil. Now, let's look at gold and another common commodity in the energy industry, coal. Now, join me as we take a trip back to the year of the miracle on ice, something else I was not alive for, where coal was selling for an annual average of $51.58 a ton, and gold was bringing $614.75 per troy ounce that year. Jump forward to the year of the coronavirus, and coal is currently averaging $61.27 per ton on the year, and gold is fetching a premium of $1,736.68 per troy ounce. Even when coal was being phased out of the global energy mix and the expectation for price to follow the decrease in demand, the price of coal has still increased nearly 16% in the past 40 years. Gold is very similar to the price increases seen for everyday goods, experiencing a 64.6% increase in price since 1980. Now, I know that's a lot of numbers, but basically what we are getting at is there is a disconnect between commodity prices even when price schemes are based on the same principles. Now, let's go ahead and compare the price of these monetary instruments in oil barrels, where we're going to investigate the number of barrels of oil required to buy either an ounce of gold or a share of companies on the Wilshire 5000 index. Basically, through the second quarter of 2020, nearly double the number of barrels are needed to purchase an equivalent amount of both gold and the Wilshire index compared to their previous historic peaks in 1999 and 2016, respectively. Again, this will really help if you check out the graphs online. But basically what we're seeing is oil has half the purchasing power that it used to before its previous historic peak, indicating that oil is currently crazy cheap. So how come no one's talking about this? Has no one really framed this the way you have? I mean, when you compare it to these other commodities, it makes sense. But just looking at it as is, I can see why people are selling short on oil. Well, I, th I think it's really that market sentiment that we've talked about so much. You know, people are scared of oil and gas. You know, we just saw oil go negative for the first time in history because, yes, granted, there was this massive supply and demand imbalance. But as things are moving back towards balance, oil prices should have been creeping up by now, at least in step with, say, gold or the price of a home or, you know, the stock market index. And yet, it's remaining fairly flat when all these others are rising, which basically means that it's 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 falling in comparison to all these other. It's going the opposite direction. It just yeah, if it's not growing, then it is not keeping pace with these other commodities. No, exactly. And so positive economic growth and inflation make everything more expensive, but the latter has a greater influence on purchasing power, kind of what we've been talking about. More specifically, inflation decreases people's purchasing power to pay for goods. 
And since inflation rates have been above zero every year since 1980, well, except in 2009 when they briefly dipped, the price of goods, services, they, they have to increase over time. This is evident by the price of everyday goods like bread increasing nearly 80% in those 40 years and certain commodities like, say, gold increasing over 60 But if inflation and economic growth are responsible for higher prices, why is crude still so cheap? A possible answer to this question might lie in the technical advancements made in the oil and gas industry over the past 40 years. Basically, the concept relates to Moore's Law, which refers to the perception that the number of transistors on a microchip doubles every two years while the cost to produce the chip is halved. Essentially, we can expect the speed and capability of our computers to increase every couple of years, and then we will pay less for them. Now, while technology is certainly accelerating the capabilities of the oil and gas industry, these concepts eventually reach a point of diminishing returns. There becomes a threshold where the bottom line cannot be driven any lower and a barrel of oil cannot be produced any cheaper without new innovation. And, well, the industry is reaching that level now. So, I got a question for you, Kevin. If technological advancements in the oil industry have kept the price of oil low, why haven't technological improvements for automobiles or mining kept the cost of cars and gold depressed? Now, I think that's the billion-dollar question there, Tavis. <laughs> I mean, what we're seeing here is, I mean, technology can only improve the efficiency of a process so much. Think about automobiles and cars. You know, the efficiency of cars, I mean, even just combustion engines alone, has skyrocketed since the 1980s. Yep. And yet, we're seeing cars become more and more expensive. Yep. It's because they're following that upward trend of, you know, inflation, things getting more expensive. Now, once a certain point is reached, the price of a good becomes determined by supply and demand within the global economy. And I think that's really what's taking over the oil and gas industry right now. Technological advancements have pretty much pushed the bottom line of so many producers around the world that they can't produce it for any cheaper. And now it's really being determined by global supply and demand, or at least it should be, even though in the past three weeks we've seen, it kind of really hasn't. So at this point, to see a major change, we really need some groundbreaking innovation, like a, a different, another fracking story eventually, something that allows us to access other reserves and lower that cost? I don't necessarily know if we need some kind of groundbreaking innovation. What I do know for a fact is that this commodity needs some real upward pressure to, to move those prices up to stay in step with these other global commodities, goods, services, etc. I mean, there's such a big disconnect here that it's almost like crude is becoming almost worthless at this point. And it's the world's most important commodity. We need it to run society. Pretty soon here, with depressed prices the way they are, we're going we're gonna to force investors out. People aren't going to want to invest in this industry. We're not going to be able to further advance because there's going to be no funding. Without funding, supply is going to come way down, and that's going to have a huge upward force on prices. And it's bound to happen. We just don't know when. So let's look at it this way. Even back in 2019, oil prices were still undervalued before all of this coronavirus price war stuff. Back in 2019, WTI averaged about $57 per barrel, $56.99 to be exact. And that's still up significantly from 2020 prices. But that's still only an increase of 34% when we're looking at other commodities like gold in the 60% range. So if we use gold as a baseline, maybe we would see WTI prices in the $105 range. Now, granted... That's that's not realistic right well, now. It's unless it's one to dream about. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but unless we have a dramatic amount of supply permanently brought up the market, I mean, the value of the commodity has to make a correction. I mean, if oil price doesn't start to outpace the dollar inflation, new reserves are not going to be created and the world is not going to escape this current supply crunch. 
So it's funny that you mentioned we need a dramatic amount of the supply to be brought off the market because as we've covered in the past periodicals, we're getting to that point. We're outpacing demand. Companies are merging. Other companies are going out of business. So when does that correction come? Is it just a matter of time or can things truly get worse before we realize how poorly positioned we are to continue or even restart production when we need it? That's what I'm nervous about. I mean, we're seeing, you know, weeks and weeks of dramatic supply drawdowns and people were so freaked out when oil, you know, was was filling these global supply tankers to the brim. Well, now we're getting into that kind of region where we're drawing down so quickly that eventually, I'm not saying this is going to happen anytime soon, we're going to reach rock bottom. And what happens then with so many players out of business and people that have left the industry? We just flat out are not going to have enough oil to meet global demand. And and when that happens, you know, we probably will see the exact opposite of what we saw in April when prices went negative. We're probably going to see this crazy spike, you know, to influence people to come onto the market. And then it's just going to be all out of whack again. All right. Last bit of numbers for you guys. So with oil currently hovering below the $40 per barrel range for about the past month, this price actually puts current oil prices in the bottom tertiary historically when adjusted for inflation. That means they're in the bottom 33% than they've ever been taking into account inflation. Therefore, supply and demand principles aside, a more reasonable price region that oil will soon need to return to is the $55 per barrel range in order to keep up with the ever-increasing price of global goods and services, taking into account the surge of technological improvement in the industry. So another two years of this, quote, lower for longer can only exist if other asset bases devalue themselves to close the gap between crude. We're talking price of cars, gold, etc. A more likely scenario is this positive feedback loop of reduced investment, which is going to tighten supply, causing a violent movement upwards for the intrinsic value of oil. And ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have for you guys this week. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't, please let us know. Leave some comments on whatever platform you're listening on. Send us an email. You can contact us at podcast at rarepetro.com. We would love to hear from you. And I mentioned this earlier. This periodical was definitely one of those where the charts are definitely going to be helpful. So make sure you head online, check that out. Um, also check out some of Tavis's new podcast. We've just released the Modern Mobile Oil Field, which is pretty awesome. It's a team up between, you know, world-renowned author Jeffrey Kahn and Tavis here. Uh, it's very interactive, so uh, what? World-renowned and Tavis. Well, hey, you know, world-renowned in my book. Hey, not yet, not yet, right? <laughs> so thanks again, and until we see you all next week, take care, everybody. Adios. Adios.